Hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. You know, when I started on this series of teachings that we're calling the Book of Romans, I was originally just going to start in chapter one and then work my way through chapter by chapter or maybe theme by theme. But early on, God was clear. Since the Book of Romans can be such a complex, complicated book, he wanted me to give you the context. And I was supposed to do that by giving you the five W's, the who, what, when, where, and why. And honestly, I thought each of those messages would just be a week long and that the when of those messages, it would just be about what was happening in the world at the time that Paul wrote this letter. But as I was writing that message, I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, the when I want you to tell him about I want you to tell him about the when during Paul's life that he wrote this letter. And that seemed like a simple task. Just give you a few dates, just give you a few details and then move on. But what's happened has been something I didn't expect. I didn't expect to preach half the book of Acts before I ever got to the book of Romans. And truthfully, I don't think many people listening to these when messages have even realized that that's what's been happening. I think maybe some people thought this was just a really long history lesson. And I've I've even had a few people, not many, but a few, ask me when we're actually going to get to Romans, which full disclosure, that created some insecurity in me. Like, are people finding this boring? I mean, I like it, but is it too much? Is it is it just dragging on? So I was stuck. I just kept thinking about how can I backpedal? How can I bail out of this narrative on the life of Paul and just actually get into the book of Romans? So frustrated, I went to my wife, Pastor Sonny, and I told her how I was feeling. And she said something that encouraged me, that added courage to me. She said, no, you keep going the direction you're going because this is laying the foundation for something bigger than a series of messages. This life of Paul... This is a divine detour. So I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about divine detours as we continue in this message that we've been in called When. Hey, hi. Welcome to Chew On That. My name is Pastor Scott, and I'm excited that you're joining us. Today, we're continuing in this series of Romans, The Greatest Letter Written, and we're also continuing continuing in like the mini-series within the series on when. We're on part four of when, and Sean's going to talk a little bit about that, but about how he um, was intending when to just be one week, but like there's so much depth in the story of Paul that he really, really wanted to like make sure that we weren't glossing anything over, and I love that about Sean. I love that he's, you know open to it. He's not you know, like, we're only going to do it for one week because that's what I said. And that's what we're going to do. Like, I love that he flows with the spirit. And I like that he's fluid. Anyway, today I'm really excited because my very special guest today is my friend, Adam Frischkorn. Say hello, Adam. Hi. Hey, uh, Adam is part of our leadership team at Life Church downtown, and I'm excited uh, to have him on. Uh, Adam, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I am married, and I have a beautiful daughter who just turned six months old. Um, we've been going to Life Church for a little over two years, actually. We, uh, my wife and I, have been a little all over the place. Uh, I graduated from college in Milwaukee, and then we were down there for a couple of years. And then I got a job down in Sarasota, Florida. So we were down there um, and through some different uh, events in our life, we actually ended up back up here in Green Bay and we're both from the area. So I still work for the company that I was with uh, 
down in Sarasota, but I work remotely now. So I was a little more, um, I guess, ready for the, for everything that happened recently because I was already working from home. Uh, but yeah, so that was, that's what brought us up here. And now we've been up here for just over two years. So what sort of, so the Sarasota company, what sort of company is that? Yeah, it's a title due diligence company. Um, so it's in the real estate industry, more specifically in title and I'm a title examiner. Gotcha. But then you also have a side hustle, right? I do. I do. It's a, uh, it's a work in progress. Yes. But I, I'm a certified personal trainer. I've been uh, certified for maybe about a year and a half coming up on that. Um, so I've been, uh, just building programs for people and I, I'm in the process of actually building out what that, what that side hustle will really look like with more structure. And then your wife, can I say her name? I don't know if you're trying yeah. to keep that secret. No, your wife, Timberland, she's also fitness oriented, right? Like she's like a nutrition person. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she is a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, so she went to school for that and now she works with people and helping them, um, through nutrition, try to figure out different struggles that they're facing and how to uh, really remedy the body and help the body to heal itself to resolve those issues. Hmm, that's so cool. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, you're part of the team at Life Church Downtown. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement there and what you like about what's happening downtown? Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I I love it there. <laughs> um my wife and I, we had some friends who were involved in the team and we met with them pretty regularly. We're really close with them, Austin and Haley, shout out. Um, and they were just, when we'd hang out, they would talk about everything that was going on. Cause that was before any launch had happened and you guys were in the regular meeting and planning phases and we prayed about it and we were seeing if maybe there was some way that we could get involved. Um, showed up and you had memorized how to say my last name, which was awesome. I totally did. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it was a really good opportunity. I felt like we've been able to fit really well with the team that's been built and it's varied quite a bit. The team has changed as things have progressed, but, um, my, I guess my role is the finance guy. Uh, but it's not like limited. The, like the voice of reason more than anything. I feel like there's a lot of different there's a mix of personalities. There's a mix of energies. And I feel like, I don't know, like I feel like you're the voice of reason and all that. Maybe one of them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll take that. Anyway, the first coins are a great uh, addition to what we're doing downtown. And so once we're, uh, once we're back, we'd love it if you came to visit us. So anyway, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, Sean's message when part four. And so let's just jump into his first clip right here. And one of those teachers was a guy named Silas. Silas was this expert in scripture and he was known as an incredible communicator. So after he delivered the decision from the Jerusalem church for a season, Silas taught both in the synagogue and in the new Christian church in Antioch. And Paul, he decided to sit at Silas's feet listening and learning how to become a better communicator. As it's been throughout this series, like I feel like Sean tells me things that I should have known or should have been able to read in the text that just never occurred to me. So this idea that Paul later in life, right on the on the brink of a total change in what he's doing and who he is, you know, agrees to humble himself enough to sit at the feet or at the knee of someone that can teach him more. Then, in fact, in today's you know business world, Paul was teachable. 
And you'd think that Paul, you know, he had every right to not be teachable. Like he mm-hmm. was like a super great Pharisee and he was a super great, you know, Jewish knower of the law. And then, you know, I'm sure he recognized himself as a great orator himself. And so it was, it's so cool to see that he would be like, oh my gosh, this guy's better at this than I am. I'm going to learn from him. Mm-hmm. And so often, like, I just feel like that's not, that's not our normal mode. I feel like we always feel like we arrive and then we don't have to do any kind of learning or any kind of sit under any kind of teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know that I have anything more specific, but yeah, I think that's something that we all kind of struggle with. I, I struggle with the same thing when, when you've picked a, a lane and like, so now Paul has become like an expert in Christianity as it were in building churches. And he did a whole tour already at this point. Um, to then maybe see yourself as the expert now. Uh, I don't think I'm any different. I, I think that's something that we all struggle with. So in spring of 50 AD, at the age of 50, Paul would recreate himself. And he and Silas would meet in Derby, and they would begin a new journey. I tell this story a lot of how... Um, you know, I was like you, I was raised in a believing home in a mm-hmm. Christian home. Um, you know, and then, you know, I mean, I was 20, like everyone was 20 or 21 or 22 mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of whatever. And then, um, uh, by that time I had found myself married with two kids and, uh, you know, trying to make a go at life. And then, um, one morning, like my, my wife at that time said, I'm taking the kids and I'm leaving you. And I was totally blindsided, totally shell shocked. And, you know, I was trying to serve God at that time in the way that I thought I was supposed to be serving God. And then I was just totally mad at God, like just Mm -hmm. totally like what this is stupid, blah, blah, blah. Then like God does, right? Like a good shepherd without me even noticing, you know, I kind of get like corralled back into his flock, right? Like he just, he leaves the 99 and comes after me, right? Mm -hmm. And I love that. And so, um, but when that happened, I was working at a job where I was known as like, like the funniest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of funny people, the easiest funny is like filthy funny or mm-hmm. dirty funny. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so like, and I was like, like I was uh, talented, you know, in that mm-hmm. kind of humor. And then as I started to, you know, like I said, Jesus found my, found me and took me back. And I'm like, I can't keep, you know, mm-hmm. being this person, <laughs> you know, like, cause I was like conflict because I couldn't change at work because I thought that's going to be, it's going to feel inauthentic. It's going to feel, mm-hmm. And then I got fired. Like, and I still don't know why I got fired. Like, they called me up to the office and they said they're firing me. And I said, um, can you tell me why? And they said, actually, legally, we can't tell you why. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's weird. And so, but then I realized that this was a perfect opportunity to reinvent myself. It was a perfect opportunity to whatever job I landed next, I could be the person that God wants me to be both you know, at home and at church, but then at work as well, because that was the piece that was missing. Mm-hmm. I needed a chance to reinvent myself. And mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, um, you know, this whole, this whole message is on unexpected outcomes Mm -hmm. from unexpected destinations or events. And I just feel like that's such a thing for God. That's such a way for God to, you know, to give us the opportunity to, you know, be better. Mm -hmm. And then when we can't make that happen ourselves, at least in my life, I've seen where he like, like makes it happen for me, like Mm -hmm. throws me in the deep end of the pool or kicks me out of the nest. Mm -hmm. How old were you when that happened with your job? Probably like 30. Okay. 
probably like 30. Yeah. Because the job I was working at, we were, our big project was we were working on Packers.com and that's when, um, that's when they went to their second Super Bowl, the one that was in San Diego that they lost to John Elway and the Broncos. And so that was 98, I think. Okay. And then it was shortly after that. Yeah. Okay. How old are you now? (laughs) No, you can ask. I'm 53. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I, I just, when, when he lays out the age of what Paul was, I feel like, um, something I hear a lot, I, I follow a lot of different like motivational speakers or read, you know, that self-development kind of books. And there's this recurring theme of a lot of people feel like they get to a certain age where like it's too late. And then there's, you know, like Ray Kroc, he's really well known for being in his fifties when he started. And then people keep saying like, at what age is it too late? Um, and I know back in these times, life expectancies were a lot different than what they are now. And, uh, I don't think there is such a thing as it ever being too late. Um, another thing that I thought of when you were talking, when, he says that he reinvented himself and he's now with a different person than he was with before. And he's with Silas now. And I I think about what you shared your story when you didn't know how to make that change and still be around those same people without falling back into those habits. And this is something that I've talked with people about before where, uh, and it's something I've seen in my life when you want to make some kind of really dramatic change. A lot of times the people who are, going to be the biggest roadblock are the people who are close to you because they don't want you to change. Um, I know that we've seen that in our life, um, even with friends who maybe, um, not sharing too much of my wife's story, but, uh, she, she used to be, I don't know, known as somebody who liked to have fun, I guess. And nothing, nothing, um, like inappropriate or anything like that. But then, um, when we started, you know, hanging out we got engaged and we got married. And then whenever we hung out with like her older group of friends, it was every time we were doing that, there was a story about something that had happened in the past. And it was always, you know, like kind of embarrassing to her and stuff like this. And it was, it was almost like that was who they wanted her to be, but she wasn't that person anymore. Um, so I think if you're someone who's trying to make a dramatic change, like if you've for example, if you've recently found Jesus, if your friend group consists solely of people who aren't Jesus people, that's going to be really hard. Um, you need to have somebody, you need to build Jesus people around you. And and I think it goes for a lot of different things. So you talked about different types of humor, um, something I've seen a lot, not, not only inappropriate, but like negative humor seems to be the easiest as well. Yeah. Um, and it's the easiest way to connect to people. People feel like you don't want to talk about the good things going on in your life. So when someone asks how you're doing, you don't want to feel braggy maybe. And so you, you know, complain about the weather, complain about whatever it is. Um, people seem to kind of gravitate around those conversations. So again, if all of your friends are all leaning towards negative conversation, it's going to be hard to be the positive person. So I think it's really important to Um, build relationships around yourself. I'm not saying that you need to cut people out of your life completely necessarily, but I think it's important to have people around you who are going to build you more into the person that Jesus wants you to be. Yeah. I love that. Cause I feel like relationships are chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, and I, but I'm stupid about chemistry. So (laughs) I feel like, um, 
there's there's a I mean there's there's a strong element and there's a weaker element. Like elements aren't typically the same. And mm-hmm. so like if you are among an element that is negative mm-hmm. or that is uh, problematic mm-hmm. or that has drama or something. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to change them mm-hmm. to be more like you or they're going to change you to be more like them. Mm-hmm. And like no one stays <laughs> the same. We're, and I mean, like, I just feel like when we're, when we're surrounding ourselves with people, we should surround ourselves with the people that we want to be like. Mm-hmm. And so if you find yourself at a place where you're like, gosh, I shop too much or I drink too much or I swear too much. Right. Mm-hmm. And not that these things are small things, but right, they're not right. positive things. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, Oh, I have to stop doing this. So I get to go to heaven and not hell. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. But like, there's just like a weight to all that stuff. And yeah. it's indicative of, of deeper issues. Like mm-hmm. if you like can't socialize until you've had four drinks, there's mm-hmm. something there. Yeah. Like there's something like, Let's so let's get to the root of it rather than just keeping trying to like keep putting, you know, liquor band-aids on everything or yeah. the same thing is true of shopping or looking at dirty pictures or you know, we've all got stuff that we're, you know, prone to. And so we're all doing that for a reason and you can either just jump in the mud with people mm-hmm. that are just doing that or you can say I got to get washed off, man. Yeah. And but you can't go back and hang out with mud pigs yeah. if you're all clean and like they're cuz they're going to rub up against you and rub their mud on mud. They're going to rub your mud. <laughs> going to rub your, their mud all over you. Yeah. You know, and that's just, I mean, you know, so again, like you said, you don't have to cut them out completely, but mm-hmm. you know, you got to spend enough time in, in and among people that love you and that want you to succeed mm-hmm. and that, that you want to be like. Yeah. And, and not to take, uh, too much time on one sound clip, but, um, something else that I think of uh, and hoping, hopefully I'm not going on a tangent too much as well. Um, but when you talked about not necessarily that those things are like bad things or that not that they're small things or whatever, um, something that I, I say a lot with, with, within fitness, specifically with nutrition is everything that you're putting in your body is either going to help your body or it's going to hurt your body. And I think similarly, when I think about those things, we're not on earth for very long and we have a very specific purpose. So, those those things those activities like are they gonna hurt your time here or are they gonna help your time here you have a mission so I, I think really engaging in things like that like what good is that doing for you and what good is that doing for God what good is that gonna do for your friends no I love that because I mean I, I love that analogy although I don't live that analogy nutritionally <laughs> speaking but I do live that analogy you know relationship speaking because it's and it, you know, it, even when you say that you're not talking about like you know this little bit of, or this good that it does or this bad that it does mm-hmm. is like minuscule mm-hmm. right but it's uh, compounded interest it yeah. snowballs yeah. and so while this little bit might be might be bad for your body or bad for your spirit or bad for your psyche or bad for your relationship you're like it's just a little bit yeah right but then like some, if you're not paying attention, those yeah. little bits become lots of bits and mm-hmm. they become a way of life and they become, you know, just the norm. Yeah. And then, you know, before you know it, like you're 15 miles down the little bit road mm-hmm. where you're like, oh my gosh, look at how far I've come down, down this road. And so, you know, the path to success, the path to, you know, feeling good about yourself or whatever, it's a long path, mm-hmm. right? And you just got to take it one step at a time, one bite of elephant at a time, mm-hmm. you know, the climb of a mountain begins with the first step, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the same is true of the road 
to, I want to say the road to destruction that seems overly dramatic, Sure, but, but I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we're talking about, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's a long road too, where you're taking yeah. baby steps. So you don't even notice it. Cause you can just see the good road. It's just right there. The good yeah. road's just right there. Yeah. Right. So it's okay. I can see the good road. I can touch the good road yet. Yeah. But then if you're, you know, just heading down the road, you're like one weekend to another weekend to another weekend, one party to another party to another party, one Amazon splurged after another and then like now you can't touch the road but you can see it and then mm-hmm. you can't even see the road but you know where it is until you get to the point where gosh I don't even know where I am right now there's a verse that I recently read <laughs> I feel like Dave would be able to just pull out the reference but I don't <laughs> yes. know what it is um, but it says something along the lines I, I just have the word that's constantly in my head that I'm always praying over. And it says that I'll be an ambassador for Christ. Mm. And I think of the fact that that needs to apply to every aspect of my life. Whatever I'm doing, I need to be that ambassador for Christ. If I'm participating in something, um, I wish I was better with specifics, but like if you're doing something, you think about the fact that like you're representing Christ right now. If you're a Christian, you're representing Christ, um, regardless of who you're around or what they're seeing. Uh, I think that's a pretty high call and it's, you know, feels like a lot of pressure maybe, and we don't have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying, but think about what you're engaging in and, and if that's glorifying God or if that would be seen as something that, um, you know, we're supposed to stay away from the appearance of evil. So, um, just always being watchful of those things. Yeah. I mean, even as you're talking, I think about how, I wonder if that's what keeps people from being open about their faith, Mm -hmm. that if they say I'm a Christian or I follow Jesus or I'm going to church, then they know because of how they look at people that say that they're a Christian or that they're a believer or that they're going to church. Oh, well, if I ever see that person, Mm -hmm. you know, not using their turn signal or flipping somebody off or drinking or swearing or coming out of an R rated movie, whatever that yeah. these little things are, they know how they feel about those person, that person. So they're like, I don't want to put it out there that I'm a Jesus person. So that way yeah. no one can judge me. But I mean, but then like, are you proud of who you are in Jesus Christ? If you're, if you're hiding it, you can't do that. Yeah. And I know that it's popular in Christian world to like make fun of people that put a Jesus fish on their car or right. whatever, but there's something freeing about that. And obligating about yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I can't pull in there because I've got that fish on my car. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Right, yeah. And so like, so in some ways, and I'm not trying to be boastful, like a lot of people yeah. know who I am. Yeah. Like I just, yeah, because yeah. of how I live my life, a T-shirts. lot of right? Yeah, right. I love it. And so like, I, but if anyone sees me in that shirt or anyone sees me in my car, mm-hmm. right? And they see that I'm doing like, I, that's, I mean, it's not a constant reminder that I got to straighten up and fly right, but it's mm-hmm. like. Like you said, I'm mm-hmm. a ambassador for Christ and mm-hmm. I need to live that way. Yeah. yeah. I, um, so I wear like our high shirt for Life Church downtown and I've been doing that even when we've been doing Zoom calls. So when I'm walking around the neighborhood, if I'm crabby and um, or if my dog poops in somebody's yard, <laughs> I better pick it up because <laughs> it is. I mean, it kind of yeah. holds you accountable almost. Um, and then one last thing that I thought of when you were talking was actually at the men's retreat. I don't know if you were in that meeting or not, but I think Tim... I don't know his last name. I think he's an electrician, but he was talking about being in the workplace. That was what the, what the seminar was around. And he talked about that. He said, it's, he said, as soon as people know that you're a Jesus person, you're on the spotlight. Mm, yeah. So yeah, you, you need to just, um, it, it can be scary, I think, but it's also a really awesome opportunity to, to be that 
and you don't have to be perfect and that's okay for people to see you not be perfect but it does help you stay accountable as well it almost makes it better yeah. like if you're not always perfect and especially if right. you own up to that yeah you know like if you're like you know hey i want you to know i screwed this up i handled mm-hmm. it completely wrong you know that puts an authenticity to your faith that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't think of when they think of christianity they think of christians as being they feel like they're better than everybody yeah, else. They're shiny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're not that. If they're that, they're not that. Right. If they're shiny and elitist, yeah. they're, uh, they, they, well, that, that pattern's been around the back from Jesus's day yeah, and before that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And the plan, it was solid. The plan, it made sense. But their first attempt to go to Ephesus failed. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. So they tried to go to a different area. They tried to go to Asia Minor. The Holy Spirit hadn't forbidden them from preaching there. So they traveled to the second largest, most influential city within their reach, a city called Bithynia. But when they got to the border of that city, Paul had another vision. He had another encounter with Jesus and they weren't allowed to preach there either. So now they're frustrated and they couldn't understand why none of their plans were working. And and I'm sure that Paul must have had this thought, like maybe he looked at Silas and thought, you know what, this never happened when I was with Barnabas. So with doors closed on the way that he'd always spread the message of Jesus, they were forced to pivot. I love this bit. First, I love this bit because it reminds me of a saying. Um, There's a book, oh, by who? Of Mice and Men. Someone wrote that. Did you not have to read it Someone, in high school? I didn't know. Um, I think maybe my transferring from homeschool to high school got uh, me out of that one. Anyway, I should know that and I don't. Please don't judge me, those people that think I'm intelligent. Anyway, that <laughs> title is based off of Robert Burns, Burns' poem that the plans of mice and men often go awry, right? And so it also reminds me of a Yiddish, <laughs> reminds me of a Yiddish saying man tracked und got locked which is man plans and god laughs which is also uh the name of a album by uh who did i say the album was by now i want to know um hang on we're almost there thanks for thanks for i can't find you it. can probably always just edit this little <laughs> oh yeah public, public enemy i'm yes, not editing yes. it we never do it anyway <laughs> My point is, is I love this notion that sometimes like I love the humility that it teaches us that like we can like Paul planned all these things. We're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this thing and then we're going to do that thing. And Paul planned and then God laughed, right? That that the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And that's what happened to Paul here. Yeah, I think that's a recurring thing throughout the Bible as well as um, that if you're really following after God, his plan is going to. Uh, it's going to override whatever plan you may come up with. And I don't think that that means that there's anything wrong with planning. Um, I think it's wise to, you know, have some, some sort of a plan regardless of what it might look like. But uh, I think the problem comes up when we hold on to something Mm -hmm. so closely that we don't allow God to move. So clearly, I mean, it's um, consistent throughout here um, as well as, I don't know if, 
if we talked about it in the sermon yet or not, but how Paul wants to go to Rome, like that's the, this recurring thing through his writings. And he just never had gotten the opportunity for a very long time that, that doesn't, that didn't change his plan. He still wanted to go there, but he never held on to it so tightly that he didn't allow God to move him elsewhere. Yeah. And I think that's it. I mean, I think it's our response to being made aware of God's plan or God's weight or God's mm-hmm. stop that sometimes we like, we press on anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, screw you. I'm going to do this. Cause I just did all this planning. And mm-hmm. so, and that's maturity, right? I feel like that's spiritual maturity. And when you can get to a place where like, I'm going to put all the plans in place. Cause you're right. You can't not plan. Mm-hmm. Cause there's some Jesus people that are just like, Hey, I'm just God willing. This is going to happen. And I'm not going to, you know, and then they mm-hmm. just sit and wait and then nothing happens. They yep. don't apply for a job or they don't ask a girl out or they don't try yep. a new business idea, right? Like where they just, I'll just wait for God to have me do it. And that's not what God wants us to do at all. Mm-hmm. God wants us, like you said, to plan. Mm-hmm. He wants us to put things together, to chase after the things that he's put on our heart, but know mm-hmm. that at any moment this thing can change mm-hmm. and then we'll know it. Like it's not going to be, I don't think it's ever like nuanced with yeah. God, at least it's yeah. not for me. Right. Right. Cause then maybe God knows that I'm an idiot, but it's never a small, subtle little whisper. Maybe you should go this other direction. Yeah. It's, it's like I bang my head onto something. Yeah. But when I was younger, like I, that would, I would just get mad mm-hmm. and I would resent it. I would resent God. I would resent life. I would, and like, how many people do you know that live that way? Mm-hmm. They're just like constantly in a state of resentfulness. And that mm-hmm. goes back to the negativity you were talking about. Like mm-hmm. you can sit at a bar. I don't mean to get picking on that, but that's just where yeah, I think right. that, that happens, right? Where people are just like, yeah, yeah stupid yeah. job and rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And then my boss and then my, and like, man, like stop resenting and start like, I don't know, come up with a new plan then. Yeah. That's a. Uh it's tricky to navigate just being, being in that environment. Um, I certainly haven't mastered it, uh, on how to like not continue that conversation. That's easy for me to do. Um, but how to like curb the conversation away from those kinds of topics I'm not good at because then I always get in my head. I, I think, well, okay, well if I'm like, Oh, we can't talk about like this negativity, like I don't want to come off as like a holier than thou kind of deal. It's tricky. Yeah. It's hard though. But like, I remember making a post once about how bitterness and drama are like a vampire Mm -hmm. where like, I'm not saying the vampires exist, but they're like a vampire, a vampire legend where listen, they can't come into your house unless Mm -hmm. you invite them into your house. Mm -hmm. And so if you're inviting resentment and drama in, then don't be mad that resentment and drama are sitting or sleeping on your couch and they're staying too long. And they're Mm -hmm. like, you invited them in and you got to kick them out. Mm -hmm. Like resentment and drama while our reaction to difficulty and, and disappointment, you know, there's nothing wrong with feeling that for a moment, but we can never, ever sit in that. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's, and it's a lifestyle. You see it as a lifestyle for a lot of people yep. where they just sit in that. Yep. And so for Paul, you know, to have, oh, I tried to go to Asia minor and then I tried to go to Asia major and then I tried to go to Asia middle, right? Or whatever. And these yeah, right. like, right. And there's no Asia middle. <laughs> But like, you can see where, but he kept trying. He Mm -hmm. kept like, you know, pivoting like Mm -hmm. Ross on friends. Do you watch friends? Oh, absolutely. When I, when I heard that sound clip, that's all I wanted to do. That's funny. I don't watch friends. My wife watches friends. She loves friends, hates Seinfeld. I feel like those are two different camps. Yeah. So I'm with your wife on this one. Sorry. I, 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 I tried. Yeah. It's not my, it's not my jam. What about parks and rec? Yeah. The office? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I saw that you had the office sticker on your computer. I do have an office sticker on my computer. Anyway. Yes. Okay. 
He'd also written the first of his letters to the Thessalonians, which came off as like having been written by this lonely, tired, worn out old man. But Luke, he was less emotional and more eloquent in his writing. He was a very technical writer. And that writing moved Paul. And to think, these two men, who would be lifelong friends from this point forward, they met in a place Paul didn't even plan on being. They met in a place Paul only went because he wasn't allowed to go to the place he wanted to go. I'll leave this one off. All right. I don't know. Do you, do you even know this? I don't know that I shared this with you. That's the only reason you and I know each other. Um, my plan was never to come back to Green Bay. Hmm. So, uh, there was somewhere else that I really wanted to go, but then, uh, through the different events that happened in our life, now that happened to us, but different mistakes that we made, uh, it led to us being back here. And if it weren't for that, I wouldn't know you. Wow. So I'm like Luke. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You, you can be like, maybe not the eloquently what? writing, writing. The worst. Man, get out. You're funny. No, oh, that's, man. that's amazing though. Like, I love that. You're right. Like, how would I have ever known you then? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I love that because I was about to tell the same kind of story, like going back to that part where I got fired from the job. Uh, I think it might've been because that was after like my wife left. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and then I didn't hire a lawyer for the divorce part. Mm-hmm. I was like, how bad could this be? Like we're friends and like, we loved each other forever. Like nothing's going to go wrong here. And then like everything went wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Like everything became mine. Like all the, not like the good stuff that we had cause we didn't have mm-hmm. anything, but all the bad stuff that we had, like mm-hmm. that was all mine. Yeah. And then like, besides uh, child support, I had to pay like uh, maintenance to her. So mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. nothing. I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I had nothing. And so, uh, <laughs> I've never said this out loud before. Maybe a podcast isn't the right place to say it. Anyway, <laughs> I found out that the, that the key to the soda machine mm-hmm. was underneath Mike Hefner's keyboard. And there were a couple of times when I didn't have any milk at home for the kids when it was my weekend mm-hmm. that I took like 10 or 20 bucks out of that mm-hmm. thing. Maybe they found out. Maybe that's why mm-hmm. I got fired. Huh? Maybe I should take 40 bucks over there and say, hey, Maybe. I think I owe you this. And yeah. then, anyway, <laughs> I hope they're not listening. Anyway, huh. but I feel like the, the <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking right now. I'm all worried. That you, but listen, we've all got crap in our past. Oh, yeah. That's not the story. The story yeah. is, is that so I lose that job maybe because I took money out of the soda machine. Maybe. Anyway, maybe that's why they couldn't tell me because there was like a legal investigation. I feel like that's where they would tell you though for something yeah. like that. But I don't know. Anyway, I should probably still bring the 40 bucks though. <laughs> anyway, would the interest though, would you pay, would you bring interest to that? You well, you would, how long ago that was? You I got mean, time God, value of money. You got to run like, those numbers. And right. That was like 25 years ago. <laughs> I don't want I can't do those numbers. Yeah. It sounds like you need a finance guy. <laughs> yep. I wish a new one. Anyway, so I get fired, right? I find a new job where I can be my normal Christian self, right? Like mm-hmm. that, who God wants me to be. And then like shortly after that, I meet my new wife. Right. Yeah. I never would have met her if I hadn't gotten fired from that job. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't have met her if I'd stayed like not a Jesus guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I just continued yeah. in that, I'd probably be dead because I right. not only was I a bad person, but I was like huge dude. I was like 380 pounds or something. Mm. And so like, I'd probably be dead by now. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd probably be dead 
if if I didn't get fired from that job, I'd probably be dead. Yeah. And I know that it's easy to look back. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like everything's much clearer when you can justify stuff. But like, there's no doubt in my mind that that was where God's hand has been on my life. Yeah. Some of you need to hear this, that sometimes you view something as a secondary road, but it's really the road to your primary purpose. So this reminds me of a song by Rascal Flatts. Are you much of a country music person? I am not. Yeah, me neither. So, but I find that a lot of the lyrics though, those resonate with me. Mm -hmm. Like I I just wish they weren't sung so sad or so, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like this guy in particular, the dude from Rascal Flatts with his big whiny voice, like I, ugh. Anyway, he's got this song that says, God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. And I love that. I love that idea because sometimes I feel like, you know, we're not okay or we never just, we don't assume the best of God. Mm-hmm. We, you know, as we work through this, like we've been talking about, we have these plans and sometimes the plans go awry and sometimes blah, blah, blah. But we shouldn't be resenting the road that we're on. Mm-hmm. We should be just, you know, assuming the best of God that, that think that, you know, whether it's a broken road or a detour or the wrong road, we should just work under the premise that God's, you know, God's got it. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest part. That's the kind of surrender is the biggest part of this faith thing is being able to surrender that and say, I don't have to be in control of this, that I'm not called to control it. I'm called, I'm called to contribute. I'm called to love. I'm called to serve. I'm called to witness. I'm called to, you know, all these things, but not one of them is I'm called to control. Yeah. Uh, sharing a little bit from my personal life, uh, going off of the fact that I hadn't planned on being in green Bay. Um, when I got here, there was a significant amount of time that I had a very negative and you know me, you can vouch for the fact that negativity isn't something you really ever see from me. But as far as being here, different aspects of being here, just the fact that I was here when I hadn't wanted to be, um, kind of started to cloud my life with negativity around the fact that I was in Green Bay. And this was, you know, Timberland, my wife, she can vouch for this. It would kind of creep into our conversations. It would creep into our relationships. And it was just this weight that I felt pulling me down. Um, then I, I realized I needed to kind of step back because that wasn't healthy and started getting involved in life church and the creative team in life church downtown. Um, and I got to meet you. And when I stepped back, just, you know, I had the conversation with God, like I'm here right now. I didn't want to be here. Um, I need peace that this is where you want me to be. And with that peace of just knowing that I was where God put me, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what's going to come down the road, but for now, God has me here and this is his plan for me. And although to me, it felt more like an inconvenient detour, um, for him, this was his plan for me right now is to be here. So when I had that realization and I, I just recognized that I needed to be in, we're not here for very long on earth as, you know, as people, um, and who knows how long we're going to be where we're at. So God's calling you to do something now. So I said 110%, I've got to be in this thing. I've got to be in at life church on the creative team, uh, downtown doing podcasts with, Pastor Scott on Memorial Day. It's <laughs> the best way to spend a Memorial Day morning. Yeah. What else would we be doing? Right. Yeah. Like, I feel like sometimes we think that like the universe and God are like, we're a cog, but we're mm-hmm. the only cog. 
Mm-hmm. And we think we're the most important cog in the whole world because like we're the cog. And so like we love our cogness, mm-hmm. right? But, but knowing I'm not a very mechanically inclined person, but I know that a cog is there because it, it, it matches up with another cog to turn that cog mm-hmm. and that cog turns another cog and that turn turns another cog. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like sometimes we're at a place, we're on a road, we're, you know, in a situation where something's going to happen to us or through us that turns a cog, that turns a cog, that turns a cog, that makes a difference in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. So like I think about like some of your experiences, right? Something that you've gone through, something that you've dealt with, a way that you failed, or a way that you succeeded, or a way, the way that you were disappointed, right? Like there's something that happened in there that's a map for someone that you have no idea. And so yeah. maybe you've already met that person because of being at Life Church or Life Church downtown, or maybe mm-hmm. you're about to, or maybe, you know what I mean? And so like we have no idea the expanse and the 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 gravity and the hugeness of mm-hmm. God's cog machine. Mm-hmm. And not only is it like single plane, like right now, but it's like multi-plane, like past yeah. and future. And like, it's insane. And so for us to think that, oh, this is happening to me and I'm the only cog in the whole world doesn't recognize who we are in the body of Christ. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible talks a little bit about that, about how like, you know, the ear shouldn't say to the finger, I wish I were a finger because then I'd get to, I don't know, pick the nose or I would, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Or I wish I were the eyes because I could see and I'm just a stupid appendix, right? And like the appendix really is the one that has like the biggest gripe because there's really no purpose for the appendix. And so like, but what if we're the appendix and we're still just part of the body and that's all we're supposed to be? We're not supposed to try to be an eye or an mm-hmm. ear or a nose or a finger. We should just we all make up the body of Christ and we all make up this cog machine where our turns, right? Sometimes good and sometimes bad, sometimes clockwise, sometimes counterclockwise, sometimes good, right? Like all those things are because of their effect on the extended, the, the big picture. And again, that's spiritual maternity, maturity, mm-hmm. not spiritual maternity. That's something different. I don't know what that is, but I don't know what that is. Either. Anyway, that's, I mean, that's growing up. Yeah. And, um, since you wanted to fill the podcast with pop culture references, I, I didn't know if you know this or not, but you and I actually have a shared interest and potentially it's one of my top five favorite movies. Me, I don't think I could pick one, but it might be one of yours. Yeah. You've, you've shared that before. Do you know what it is? I don't. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, literally on the edge of my seat. Yeah. It's a wonderful life. <gasps> I do love it. It's a wonderful when I think life. about like, I mean, I love that movie because the, not just for Christmas, but just because of that message and, yes. and just recognizing that regardless of how you feel your life is going, you're impacting people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love that. I, I love too. that you love it. And I love that I love illustration it. because it's totally it, right? Like when he goes and he sees his brother's grave right mm-hmm. when when um yeah. clarence shows him his brother's grave. no he's not dead he's no you didn't save him from that thing mm-hmm. so he died of pneumonia and then well no that's not true because he saved all those guys on that trans no he didn't save the people on yeah. that transport that transport they all died because yeah. you know and i love that i love that's perfect the perfect illustration of the cog machine that i'm talking about yeah it happened because the steps of a good man are ordered by god And so many of us, we're stopped right now. And I know you're frustrated. I know you want to go where you want to go and do what you want to do. But your steps are ordered and so are your stops. I wonder, what if you took this season of stop and you asked yourself three questions? What's God plotting? What's God planning? And what's God preparing? What's God plotting? What's he digging up behind the scenes that you can't see? 
What pieces is he positioning that you have no idea about? What's God planning? What people is he bringing into your life that you didn't know were directly connected to your destiny? What's God preparing? What or who might be waiting in the place you're only in because you aren't allowed to be in the place that you want to be? I promise you, friend, your destiny is waiting because what's happening right now, it's a divine detour. Ideas are waiting to be initiated. Patents are waiting to be filed. Relationships are waiting to be formed. Businesses are waiting to be started. And all you have to do is lean in, listen, and learn. So I feel like Sean was listening to our conversation and then he just said all that. Cause I feel like that sums up <laughs> what we were talking about where, yeah. um, but I love the idea cause I keep, I, I feel like I just talk about this every week because I just feel it's such a great thing. So I talked about this thing about reinventing myself mm-hmm. in the new job where I could like be as Jesus, he as Jesus wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. But then Sean talked about how Paul could reinvent himself from an angry, melancholy, grumpy old man right into this eloquent writer and difference maker. And so like when I think about the quarantine or COVID or pandemic or whatever you want to call it, like why would you not like reinvent yourself on some Mm -hmm. level? Maybe Mm -hmm. not a complete reinvention. Maybe you don't change what you wear. Maybe you don't change your job or maybe, but if there was something, I just feel like it's such a great excuse to come out of this or emerge from this different, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, reinventing. So I think maybe I've made a comment in, in here somewhere about the fact that I had transitioned from homeschool to high school. Yeah. Uh, that was a really big transition. And that was something that I did at that time. It was, I wanted to reinvent myself. There were so many things about me that I didn't like. Um, so what I did when it came to reinventing myself, I had two options, or I guess maybe two different categories of things. I was going to change what I could that I didn't like about myself. And I was going to accept what I couldn't. And, uh, when I think about reinventing, like there are some things that maybe weigh down on you or you have a negative relationship and attitude towards or something like that, but you can't do anything about it. Um, I think a big step is accepting those things. And again, even to going back to like what God's doing, like sometimes part of his plan isn't something that you're going to like right now. Um, but then there are so many things. So something else we had talked about before as well, when we talked about action and how God doesn't want us just sitting on the sidelines and waiting for something to happen. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, pastor talked about quite a bit is, is actually acting. Um, so what can you change where, where in your life are you not really, um, reflecting God or, or where is there some kind of struggle, something that you can actually change. And I think that this is a great time and uh, a great season to really take action towards those changes. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. I like this idea that like, so not only changing and reinventing, but then also like pursuing something mm-hmm. that you'd been putting off. Like we all have more time on our hands one way or another, even if we're still working or working from home or even going to the office still, there's still more time on our hands because we're not, you know, Mm -hmm. at the mall or we're not at the movies or we're Mm not, you know, so there's still time. And so if there's, cause I find like for me, I'm becoming more and more in tune with the idea of God's prompts and 
acting on them. Like mm-hmm. if something occurs to me, I'm like, hmm, yeah. I'm going to go do that thing. Like if it lines up, like if it lines up with scripture, if it lines up with my spirit, if it lines up with friends, yeah. you know, opinion of it, I'm pursuing that because mm-hmm. I've been ignoring that thing for too long. Mm-hmm. There are lots of things like that where I feel like, you know, I, th- I think I remember a, like a motivational quote that don't ever give up on something that you think about every day or that mm-hmm. you can't forget about. Don't ever give up on something you can't forget about or anyway, yeah. you know, so, and so I don't know, like if, if you feel like, you know, you're in tune with you know, what God's doing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Act on those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause I, I don't know, like why would I be reluctant? Cause what if God wants to bless us? You know, it reminds me of that funny story that people tell about, like there's this flood and this dude, you know, is up on top of the roof of his house and he's praying that God saves him. Right. And then this, you know, the coast guard comes by and says, Hey, come on in. We can see, Nope. I'm praying God's going to take care of me. Right. And then like yeah. a little while later, a neighbor in a rowboat, Hey, come on, let's go. I got you out of here. Blah, blah, blah. The water's rising. Nope. I'm trusting God's going to take care of me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like this, I don't know, piece of wood floats by and he sees a piece of wood. Like, no, God's going to take care of me. I don't need to jump on that. And then like the water overtakes him. He drowns. He gets to heaven and he's like, Hey, I was praying about you rescuing me. Like, why didn't you do something? He's like, dude, I sent the coast card and a boat and some wood. Like, mm-hmm. like what more did you want? And I feel like that's true of our lives. Not that we're all dry drowning but sometimes we're like we're praying about something and we're waiting for some big giant mm-hmm. you know grand gesture from god and sometimes it's just an opportunity that we weren't paying attention to or didn't think was poignant enough or didn't think was important enough you know and like what if that's the thing maybe it's not the thing but mm-hmm. like again if it lines up with scripture mm-hmm. and it lines up with our spirit and it lines up with what our friends are saying our wise counsel then yeah chase after that yeah absolutely i um there's the scripture verse that says that there's no condemnation. Um, but I think that there are consequences. So not that we're condemned, um, but just using that story as an analogy, like has he had a consequence because he didn't follow after those different things. Um, I think that's, you know, that that's something that we all can be affected by. Like if God's, either calling you to do something or to not do something and you make a mistake like that you're not going to be condemned for that but there still can be consequences when you don't do that so yeah i think this is a great time to really refocus and chase after those things yeah that's good Adam, this was fun. I'm glad that you were here. Thanks for having me. I had I a blast. Like the fact that I have to look over you over a sound barrier, and so yeah. the screen in front of your mic looks like a Frito Bandito mustache, <laughs> and so it looks like you got this like really thick mustache. Anyway, I'm <laughs> it's also been a, it's been interesting trying to judge like your tone through your eyes Uh-oh. and only your eyes. So yeah. sometimes it it sounds like you're smiling, but maybe your eyes aren't quite smiling. I've been smiling know. the whole time. <laughs> So anyway, it was so great to have you. I hope that you could come back again. Like I feel like this was really, really good. I love it. I'd love to. Yeah, that was awesome. So listen, if you liked uh, the podcast today, please share it with friends and say, you guys have to listen to this. This was fantastic. And so, and if you continue to like Chew on That, uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. Uh, We're everywhere that you can find podcasts that make sense. So I think we're on Apple and we're on Google and we're on Spotify and so, uh, and a few other ones. And so we'd love for you to subscribe and be uh, a normal part of our community. We hope that you're having... uh, Uh, a great weekend um, and we'll see you next time sounds good love you guys thanks so much thanks